Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Today is a tough day. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go right into it. Today is a tough day. Yesterday was tough as well because, um, you know, in my musings, I've been talking about learning to walk with God, learning not to walk behind God, learning to follow the shepherd. The last two episodes has just been God trying to speak to me about that, not... And, you know, I have been saying for a while that I'm at a, at a decision gate in my life and there is like there's things that need to happen. I And there's a lot that has happened and I'm grateful to God for that which he has done. It's just that something, a development that I thought was more or less in the bag. You know how you've been doing something or going on a de- journey expecting that you stop you arrive at a certain destination and then you find that all of a sudden the journey just stops. And, and in fact, it's, you know, you're just not where you thought you should be. And it's a definitive end. It's not even like, oh, you know, okay, you're on pause and you can resume. This is like the end of the road, you know? So it's either we're going to start another journey or continue, but, you know, but there's just this, a destination that is off now. And that destination was something that you really believed that was where God was taking you to. And um, everything was working according to plan. A lot of miracles on the way. Then at the last minute, the very last puzzle that needed to be put in place for, you know, the path to be clear. It, It just didn't work out. And for a very flimsy, intangible reason. In such a way that it almost, it's it's almost like... God, did you change your mind, you know? Oh, wow. So, and then, so it affected so many things, most, most, especially my mental state, which is why, because I had been so primed for this, I had prepared for this literally all year and had made a lot of plans. And this morning, I just went to read um, James, I think it's chapter two or so, where he was talking about people making plans and saying, you say today I will go into this city and buy this. Tomorrow I'll go into this. That what do you know? That this life is just a vapor. You don't know what is in your heart. That just talk about what you can do today, you know, and that um we should just be focused on the things that are upon us. And you know, Jesus more or less talked about things like that. I I, I had to go and look for that scripture today because it's typical of what I had done because I had made a lot of plans. So, so of course, there were plans that needed to be made to, as part of what I was, what was on me, you know, the pro, I mean, and, and I was, I, I felt I was being led by God to do that. But I mean, there were other things that I also then put in the, in the, in the planning baggage, which really shouldn't have, I should just have allowed those things to continue going on their own steam and then get to the point when it is now necessary based on, you know, where things were for for those things for me to then make a decision about that but i had done a lot of stuff anticipating this final piece and some of the steps i took are unchangeable steps <laughs> you know what i'm saying as in although i guess maybe they were necessary but the point is if i had known that things were going to be like this i would not have done it i would not have uh, the 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 urgency and the um aggressiveness with which i made those plans and the things i did um, I would not have done it that way. So, just like what I talked about yesterday, the last music, <laughs> music episode, where I talked about 
you know, the shepherd, the sheep walks behind or with the sheep. The sheep does do. Sheep never walk ahead of the shepherd. Never. They never, ever. Even if they're a thousand, one million um, sheep, they will never, ever. Because they can only go in the direction that the shepherd leads them. They are very careful. They know that away from the shepherd is... Is um is 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 dangerous for them. I mean, because sheep really they can't protect themselves from anybody. Anything can harm them: cars, people, dogs, birds. They have nothing to defend themselves with. They're actually defenseless. The only defense they have is the shepherd. He doesn't have hoofs to kick. He doesn't have horns. I guess that's why they're very trusting of a shepherd, really, because they have they literally have nothing to defend themselves with, and they know that they live in a very I mean. They know that there's danger everywhere. And that there'll be so many people just waiting to sink their teeth into them. And we are sheep. Jesus, you know, we are the sheep of God. We are in his flock. We are part of his sheepfold. And, um, and there is danger out there. And it's only God that can protect us from that danger and from the wolves that seek to consume us. Both wolves in sheep clothing and wolves that are not even pretending to be sheep. But I think the most dangerous ones are the wolves in sheep clothing. And we have quite a number of them around us. Sometimes as friends, sometimes as family, sometimes as, you know, pretending to be brethren like we are. But the point is, it's just been, it's just tough for me because, and you know, when you, when you get, how you know that you have over invested your emotions in something is when it doesn't come to pass and you are you are you are literally like dazed. You feel like you're in a dream. Whereas nothing has really changed in your world other than an expectation that hasn't been met. But otherwise your life is still very much the same. You still have what you had yesterday. Nothing has been taken away from you but apart from a dream or an expectation. And then you then realize that you have invested yourself too much. So which brings me to something that one of my Christian brothers said to me while we were having a conversation yesterday. He was saying that it is one thing to know the promise of God. It's another thing to know the God of the promise. I thought that was so profound because I think what is happening to me now is having invested myself in the promise of God and almost exalting the promise over and above the, the, the promiser. Because otherwise, nothing has changed in my relationship with God. He's still very much in my on my case, in my matter, He's very much, you understand what I'm saying? He's, nothing has changed. I still have as much access to him. I'm not, I did not sin. I didn't do anything wrong. I did everything the way he said I should do it. I have no idea why things turned out the way they did. He's not chastened or rebuked me or told me that it's because I didn't do something well. Rather, he's just saying, you know, stay, I mean, yeah, stay the course. I mean, nothing has changed. Just you know, embrace the moment and see what comes next. So, but the fact that I feel, and in fact, he said to me yesterday, he said, don't, don't behave like the angry prophet, like Jonah, you know, how Jonah was very upset when God had told him that the people of Nineveh would be judged and they were very wicked people. It was the capital city of the ancient city of Assyria, then um, kingdom of Assyria, which was really powerful. And apparently from historical records, they were they used to be very, very wicked to captives and to prisoners and to people that they captured on their um, conquest journey and God sent Jonah the prophet to prophesy to them to say that they're going to be judged for all the evil that they have done 
except they repent. And then these people repented, and then God decided that, ah, see how they repented. Everybody put on sackcloth, they went into mourning, the kings, and he was like, okay, let me give them a second chance. And then Jonah got very upset with God that, why would God, you know, you had made me go there and tell them that all these things is going to happen to them, and at the end of the day, it did not happen. And then God was like, ah, why would you, you know, <laughs> these are people that have lives, you know, there's a whole soul around them. Why would you be so keen to have them be judged? Isn't it better for them to change if they can repent and change and then experience salvation rather than for me to judge them and then, you know, they die at the end of the day? There's no benefit of having righteous people on earth, you know, that can impact other people and use their power for good and all of that. So he was like, you know, and of course, Jonah hadn't didn't even want to go uh, obey god in the first place because he had gone he had run away and he ended which is why he ended up in the water and in the whale and on the sea and all that but god was saying to me that i should not be like the angry prophet who because god's word did not happen in the way that you expected or what god had said would happen it's somehow the sequence of events did not follow the original um, plan um, then you get angry. And the funny thing about the Jonah story, which I didn't realize until I went to Bible school, was that eventually Nineveh, that same city, got destroyed. But it was much later on because after they repented, their repentance was only skin deep. And eventually they went back to their wicked ways. So I think it was the prophet, um, was it Habakkuk, that later another prophet went to, or Zephaniah, I think, one other prophet went to prophesy to them and eventually that city of Nineveh was destroyed to the point that a, a hundred years later anybody walking past that area people will be telling them oh there used to be a wonderful city here yeah. they never survived you know and it's funny because when you look at all the ancient kingdoms that existed in the time of Israel you can talk about Syria you can talk of Babylon that even took the children of Israel into captivity all of those empires did not survive what you have now are new nations on that piece of land. But those cities, those cultures did not survive. Whereas Israel, the, the culture, the city, the people has survived, you know. So there's just a lot about the Bible that when you read it, that like now that I'm reading the Old Testament and I'm, you know, seeing, comparing, I mean, my lecturers are taking us through the historical record and the biblical record. And then I'm comparing with how the world is in my own current time. I studied international relations. So this is the sort of thing that I'm, you know, I'm relatively comfortable with. It, it's now like there, there, there does, there, there does seem to be a lot of truth in what the Bible says about how the world was then. It's a fantastic history book. It, it, it It's amazing how much of, historical records aligns with one another because um they were they are, they, they are based on manuscripts that were written many years ago and historical record was also based on i mean history is a record of what is written it's not as if history comes from heaven it's human beings that write history so it's people that you know that eyewitnesses that sit down take pen to paper and write and the difference is that one was written by inspiration of god the other one was written by inspiration of man but whatever whoever was present Within the city at that time, we'll say, okay, this happened within the reign of um, this king. That historical record, we also say this happened in the reign of that king. Then we can compare our records and say, okay, it seems like really there was a king that reigned at this time, and this was his name, and this was, you know, the kingdom that he 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 ruled over. We may now differ in terms of our focus on of the events on that time, but at least we agree on some basic um um overarching um factors or facts and that's what you you get in the bible as well as in other places so that was a um digression by the way but 
what I'm trying to say is that God was reminding me of the Jonah story and said I should not be like the angry prophet. And um, I think the commonality between the Jonah situation and what I'm feeling and what my friend mentioned was, was that like Jonah, Jonah was invested in the prophecy rather than the God of the prophecy. Because when you are invested in the prophecy, you want it to happen because it was it has been prophesied. Whereas God, the God of the prophecy, wants want the purpose of the prophecy to be fulfilled, which is that people be saved and they come to the knowledge of the truth. And that if they fail and they refuse to do so, then they will be judged as an example to the nations, but also to maintain the order of justice upon the earth. So if at the end of the people can repent and there's a window um, for repentance, then God is even, the God of the prophecy is happy to see that happen. So what I'm learning, and God bless my friend, I just realized I need to send him a thank you note for dropping that gem in my heart. Because I think I am like Jonah, I was actually behaving and I'm feeling like the angry prophet because I'm like, but God, you said, I this is what I did and I obeyed you. Why is it like this? Whereas the God of the prophecy, the God of the promise, reserves the rights to withhold the timing and the fulfillment of the prophecy like he did with Nineveh. Because apparently, while Nineveh thought they could game him and give you false repentance, or rather, actually, what happened, I think, was the, that generation repented, so God was able to save that generation. But after the death of all those people, a new king came, and then those new ones reverted back to the old way. So actually, it did actually... Um, it um it achieved something. Now, when that new generation came, another prophet was sent to them. They prophesied again to them. I'm not clearly. I don't know that there was a window of repentance. Whatever they didn't repent, they were destroyed by overrun by the Babylonians, and that was the end of the city. As in, they raised them to the ground. That was the end. The end. In fact, history records that people who traveled by those areas much later on, hundred years later, it it had become a fable that there used to be a great and mighty city here. You know, the kingdom was just gone. So, um, I I think I'm beginning to because again, I'm still on this my journey of relearning, and maybe this is another. I believe this is another teachable moment for me, and I'm learning now that ultimately, whenever I'm working with God in any situation, either concerning a piece of work, a pro a prophecy or a promise or whatever it is or a journey, I cannot take my eyes off the God of the prophecy the god of the promise and that the the fulfillment the power the blessing the purpose is not in the prophecy neither is it in the promise or in the fulfillment of the promise it is in the god of the prophecy he's the alpha and the omega everything starts and ends with jesus and this is a lesson that I probably will spend the rest of my life learning and understanding. It's not about whether I succeed on this earth. It's not about whether I achieve all of my life's goals. It's not, it's not about whether I, I get everything that I wanted to or that every promise that God has ever promised me, I achieve it or I fulfill it. It's about how much of my life and my emotions and my obedience is given to serving, believing, following, and loving the God of the prophecy. 
and serving the God of the prophecy and not the prophecy. Serving the God of promise and not the promise. Even while walking in obedience to the promise, walking in obedience to the prophecy, but keeping my eyes on the God of prophecy, God of the promise, and not on the prophecy, not only on the prophecy, not necessarily on the prophecy or the promise, to the point whereby if the prophecy fails or the promise fails, it becomes a problem for me. That's how you know that. That's how I now know that my emotions were in the wrong place. I had become very invested in the promise and the prophecy. And it was, if it therefore had the tendency to eventually become a god and an idol over my life. In fact, the more I'm thinking about it, I, I, and I would justify it because I'll be like, it was God that brought me here. Whereas it would take my attention off from, so what would eventually have happened is, I would go off on a tangent and I would leave the God of the prophecy behind. Because as we see, as we can see from this journal story, the prophecy, God gives his word and it's for a time and a season. And then there's another time and season that comes. He gives a follow-up word. Sometimes it's even a completely different word. It doesn't invalidate what he has said before. But then that is this is now a word for the now. And I'm talking about prophecies that have to do with things and situations around our lives. I'm not talking about the big ticket ones about the you know the end of the world, the rapture. Those ones we know that they must be fulfilled and they will never change. But I'm talking about the ones about my life, you know, the little micro prophecies, let's call them that, not the macro prophecies. So everyone has a time and a season. Just like the one to Nineveh had a time and a season. Actually, every prophecy has an expiration date. Just like there's a window, there was a window of repentance for Nineveh. They took it. There was also a, that window of repentance also had impact. It was a conditional prophecy. This, in fact, these are all the things we're studying in Bible school. Whereas in those days, you would think that once a prophecy comes, nothing's going to change it. It must happen. And then you are literally almost forcing God <laughs> to fulfill it. It doesn't work that way. I'm just learning. Anyways, so, so I really got disappointing news yesterday. I think that's just long and short of what I'm saying. And it was it's disappointing because I felt God had promised me that it was going to come to pass. I had gotten used to it. I had gotten invested in it. I had my emotions. I made a lot of physical plans around it. A lot of my life was centered around its expectation. It informed a lot of people. And now it's it's all gone up in smoke. By the way, the journey towards to get here, a lot of miracles, things that are that can be t that I still have is, is like, you know, it, it, yeah, it's like things. It's like going to a party and, you know, the party didn't quite go well, but you still got some party packs before the end of the party, you know, or before the party broke up. That's that's exactly how it is. I have some party packs to keep. I have some things that I would not have gotten if I hadn't start, um, started that journey. So I haven't come out of it empty, not at all. That's not the case at all. But again, because apparently I had become so invested in the promise and the prophecy, I have become like the angry prophet who is upset with God and upset, yeah, sort of like upset anyways, that the promise and the prophecy has not quite come to pass the way that I felt it should. And um, yeah, so, and again, I'm not even, all I can say is in the physical manifestation, I don't even know whether there will be a resumption or there will be a secondary or there will be an alternative or the whatever. I don't know. All I know is that it, what should have happened, I got some news that the way I thought it would, what, what, what we were expecting just, yeah, roadblock, dead end, end of story. So, 
I'll just leave it at that and um, I'm going to spend the rest of the day and weeks ahead just recalibrating my mind because it's a, it was a major piece of news. What does this therefore mean? And it's affecting not just me, but a number of people around me as well. And um, so, yeah, so walk with God and be thou perfect. This is what the Christian life is all about. And it, the point is, if you are invested and you love and if i love the god of the promise then it shouldn't be a problem for me to go back to him and say okay god this is where we're at now you are the shepherd you are the sheep okay i'll wait for you because right now it looks like nothing is happening nothing's going to happen so yes that means we're on stop right now or we're on pause i will stop and i'll pause as well and if you start walking and you need me to move in a particular direction let me know normally as the way you would and then we'll go in that direction. But for now, I maintain status quo. You know, I just continue doing what I had been doing before. So I'm sure you can actually hear the disappointment in my voice. I'm literally still dazed. I'm just like dazed because it's like, oh, wow, what next? I'd, I'd had, you know, when you've like planned like the next one, two, three, four years ahead. And all of a sudden, boom, that's gone. So, and you, you didn't really have a plan B because you thought that this was it. So now I'm going to have to look on to go to work the plan B because the spectacular failure by which this has come to an end has made me realize that by strength shall no man prevail. Even though I, I don't believe I was doing that in my strength, but it's just showing me that you can put in all of the effort, make all the best plans, have the greatest provisions and all of that available. And at the end of the day, one tiny, tinty little inconsequential thing can throw everything um, all away. But for me, the most important thing is that I believe that for it to have happened this way, that's how the Lord wanted it, number one. If he sees the need to change it and to bring about a new path, he He will do that. Um, the learning for me in all of this is that I have to keep my eyes on Jesus and that even when he gives me a promise and a prophecy, in as much as I obey and I continue in that path, I should never take my eyes off him and be prepared for any outcome at every time so that it doesn't become an issue for me emotionally when... Um, if things don't happen in the way that I expect. And I should also realize, I think the one thing I'm learning from this is that there is a tendency for one to exalt God's promises and prophecy even over even over and above the God that him, he himself, the God that promised and prophesied. There is a tendency. That's what I'm really picking up from this because I think that's what I did because I shouldn't be feeling the way that I'm feeling now if... I was focused on the God of the promise because the God of the promise is not tearing his hair out. Neither is he saying, oh, shall I, you messed up. He's just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. We continue, we keep him moving. But I'm the one that is like, what the, shall you, how did this happen? What's going on here? You know, I'm the one wanting to find, well, you know, looking for explanation. I just like really, really numb, you know, but anyways, it's all part of our learning journey so i'm really glad that i was able to talk about this here today and i just pray that god will send people that would be need to hear this at this point in time and they will be blessed as well so thank you very much for listening god bless you stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen